When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel like the empire has a lot of secret programs going on that not Mm -hmm. everybody, even within the empire is aware of. So it makes sense that a civilian or our team has no idea of the things going on at various bases. everyone. Welcome to another action-packed, high-octane episode of the Dagobah Dispatch, where a huge event in the Star Wars galaxy has just taken place, linking together the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy, and it has taken place on the Bad Batch. We will explain all, and we will be joined by Bad Batch producers Jennifer Corbett and Brad Rao to discuss everything going on in Season 2 of the Animated Series. Even if you don't watch the show, you're going to want to know about a big transition that links all those movies together. So stay tuned. Mythology is being built, people. So without further ado, I'm Dalton Ross, hanging out here in the virtual cantina with Lauren Morgan. What's your go-to drink, Lauren? Uh, Cranberry and vodka, although I rarely, rarely drink anymore. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just not worth the hangover for me. It's not worth it. No, no. It's like, I I can have like a fourth of a drink and it's like the next day it's like I went on a bender. So I just don't drink anymore. So I'm, I'm really boring. I only Mm -hmm. drink beer Oh, and even the beer I drink is super boring. Like I don't even drink exciting beers. Like it's just like, give me a Stella or like a Um, Corona or a good Amber, but like Get that IPA nonsense out of my face. <laughs> See, no. I don't I don't like beer and I don't like wine either. So I'm very much not a wine mom. But, you know, I, I don't know if you ever watched the kids in the hall and there was a skit called Girl yes, Drink Drunk. I was very much like if it's fruity, if it has ice cream in it, give it to me and I will have a terrible, terrible hangover the next day. But those were the kind of drinks that I always liked. So. God, why did I miss those years of Lauren Morgan? That would just be <laughs> yeah. so much fun. Be a whole a whole different show. A whole uh, different show. Mostly the biggest uh, thing that happens when I'm drunk is I'm going, wow, I'm drunk. And that's like, that's about it. <laughs> Statement <laughs> of <laughs> fact. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, another fact, uh, Devin is busy working on a big story right now. So we allowed her to, to board an escape pod uh, mm-hmm. and jettison herself for the week. But she'll be back next week. She can only escape us. For so long, as we uh, we got a lot to discuss here. By the way, I've uh, I finished another Star Wars book. I've almost finished a Star Wars book after that. Mm-hmm. I finished Which the Rising Storm, Lauren. I finished that, that, and then I'm almost I'm like pretty much almost done with. The Fallen Star, which is the High Republic book after that, the uh, last Phase One adult novel by Claudia Gray, an author mm-hmm. that you and I really love. And um, how was the Rising pretty good. Storm? Yeah, pretty Rising good. Storm was really good. Rising Storm was yeah. really good. Um, the only issue I have with uh, the one I'm finishing now is I'm, I'm trying not to to spoil anything. Yeah. I, I think Claudia Gray is a great writer, and I think mm-hmm. her writing is really good in it. But it kind of reminds me of the prequel trilogy in a little bit. I know that's going to run have everyone running for the hills, but not in that way. But like the Jedi's are like always wrong in this book. Like all this stuff's happening right under their nose, and they can't figure it out. 
Oh, it's like, you know, Order 66 about to happen. They have no idea. It's, well, you know, the entire prequel, like Palpatine, yeah. the entire prequel trilogy. And they're just like, they're literally in his office every week and can't figure it out. <laughs> no, like little... no one's getting any sense that this is a Dark Lord of the Sith Nothing. at all. He must be masking Like there's it very basically well. this thing where their force is diminished somewhat and like it just makes them look kind of dumb the entire time. Like I like the book. It's a good mm-hmm. book, but like it's just weird to see the Jedi just just so dumb throughout the entire book. So <laughs> it's a little weird. It's a little yeah. weird. But anyway, I've been finishing that up. I know you're uh, reading some Star Wars stuff that we'll be getting into in a few weeks uh, mm-hmm. as well as yes. we'll have a, another author on our show soon but we're not here to discuss that no 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 we're, we're here to discuss the bad batch and, and like as i mentioned at the top even if you don't watch the bad batch some really interesting stuff um is happening that you're going to want to know about and so we're going to talk about it and then we're going to have the producers on lauren spoke with jennifer corbett and brad rao they're going to talk about just kind of season two of the show in general a lot of uh, big picture stuff they're doing but let's talk about they, I guess we were surprised. I don't know if this was announced anywhere, but they dropped two episodes together this week, episode 207 and 208 of The Bad Batch. And spoiler alert, uh, I'm going to tell you what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you'd rather go watch it unfold for yourself, hit pause, go watch these two episodes, which you can do in under an hour, and then come back. Uh, but let's, let's learn. Let me just lay on the table what's happening because it's basically big picture what we're seeing is if you watch the uh, the original trilogy when it came out, you're like, oh, Stormtroopers, okay. Mm-hmm. Then you watch the prequel trilogy and you see how they get this clone army. And you're probably wondering, well, how did they go from clones to Stormtroopers? And the Bad Batch has been investigating that a lot. Now, last season, we saw where they found this uh, Imperial base on this planet where Stormtroopers, conscripted troopers, have been trained by some clone commandos. Mm-hmm. And so there's some training going on there. We saw the clone contract was canceled. And then near the end of the season, this guy, Vice Admiral Rampart, he basically like blew up Camino. Yeah. And, like pretty much like, destroyed the whole entire boop, thing. Boop, 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 yeah. Boop. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much everything went. Lama Sue. Mm-hmm. Barely knew you. So um, all right. So the clone facilities destroyed and all that's happening. So then we picked up now this season, specifically this week. And We've seen, well, we've seen some, some breadcrumbs, Lauren, mm-hmm. along the way where some of the clones have been expressing some regret over things like Order 66. And then in this episode, we see some are going to come forward, admit that they were there helping to destroy Camino. Camino was their home. Camino was they were born and bred, granted, at an accelerated rate. <laughs> but, but, but Not um, much time on the playground for the bat, uh, for yeah. these various clones, but. So they're they're going to blow the cover that this was there wasn't a big storm that destroyed Camino, which is the cover story, but that like essentially they blew it up. But then these clones are assassinated, mm-hmm. and then we see this guy, Vice Admiral Rampart. He wants this new conscripted military, and he proposes this thing, the Defense Recruitment Bill, right? And so you got these all this arguments now going on in the Senate, and one person's arguing the clone army should be decommissioned. Uh, Bail Organa's in it. He's arguing against it. Uh, and then basically what happens is I'm going, giving you the, the bare bones, but mm-hmm. they realize they get, they get, they get evidence that this Admiral, this evil Admiral, a classic Imperial. Yeah. Yeah. Stiff upper lip, British accent, a hole, uh, basically his ships destroyed Camino and they show this footage to the Senate and oh my God, this guy's in trouble now. And then out of the Senate floor, a door opens. And who ascends? 
but Emperor Palpatine. Yep. Played, played by Ian, Ian McDermott himself. Played by Ian McDermott. Did the voice. So, yep. And what's he going to do? Because what we've seen behind the scenes is that he's basically this Admiral Rampart's doing, you know, the Emperor's bidding. Mm-hmm. But now it's all come to light what's going on, at least the Admiral. So then Palpatine basically uses the entire uh, the entire uh, revelation to basically blame the Admiral and say, put him up for treason. But then he says, quote, the fact that the clones under his command so blindly followed orders inflicting such carnage without hesitation gives me pause. Perhaps it is time for a change now more than ever. Building a strong galaxy requires protection and security. With this momentous act, we shall usher in a new era heralded by Imperial stormtroopers. So he uses the fact that the clones blew up Kamino, even though they were ordered to do that, yeah, totally. to get rid of the clones. It was it was a ballsy move by Palpatine, considering you know they were following their orders for Order sixty six and did exactly what he wanted to do. And then he's like, "All right, guys, out of out of it." You know, so I've used you enough, and now you're gone. So so that's so that basically they blow up Kamino. Then they blame the clones for it, and they're like, we, we need to get rid of the clones. Now we need to do stormtroopers instead. So this is a huge deal, Lauren, and this, this is the official canon explanation uh, for how they went from clones to stormtroopers. Um, what do you make of it? What do you think of the episodes? And what do you think about this now sort of big addition to the mythology of Star Wars? Well, I thought these were like two of the best episodes uh, of this season. I mean, I've seen up through episode 14, which I know you haven't because you're going you're going uh, week by week. Um, so I thought these and the one that we just had with the solitary clone with uh, Cody and Crosshair, I thought these were the, some of the best episodes of the season. And I thought this was a really strong sort of two-parter because, you know, and even in the first episode, you don't even really see the Bad Batch at all. This is really just your on Coruscant with the the clone, like the clones, the two um, Slip and Cade who are trying to kind of blow uh, what happened on Kamino and, and, and sort of whistleblow on what, uh, on that. And, uh, you know, and so it's like very much like Senate machinations, uh, you know, uh, it's very politics. And I know when you t- talk about something like the defense recruitment bill, that gives people flashbacks to the Trade Federation. But, you know, don't worry about it. It's it's a really like just, I think, intriguing uh, episode. And then you also see, you know, Palpatine comes in at the end of the second episode and basically kind of uses what the Bad Batch did uh, against all of the clones because the Bad Batch, like, found the evidence that Rampart had destroyed Kamino. They gave it to Senator Chuchi, who we had seen previously seen in the Clone Wars. Uh, but, you know, Palpatine was out one step ahead or 10 steps ahead as he normally is and basically used that evidence to be like, all right, I'm going to just argue a different way to get what I want, which is, you know, he wants to put down these, they, they keep talking about the threat of insurgencies and the, you know, the, you know, the threat of that, but the insurgencies are really, it's the burgeoning rebellion. And so he wants the Imperial stormtroopers to basically, you know, be under his thumb so that he can, you know, have a greater control over the galaxy. Cause he's starting to see that, you know, clones are going AWOL. They're starting to question what their orders are and all this sort of stuff. So he realizes the clone army is no longer under his thumb and it's time for, for an army that is, you know, true believers, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. Cause the, 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 the sort of like very brief sort of glossed over sort mm-hmm. of explanations for why they went from clones to stormtroopers that we've had previously in books and other things have been like, 
one reason was like, well, they were cheaper. Yeah. Clones were expensive, cost a lot of money to produce them. And they're aging. They, wa- yeah. they wanted money for the Death Star. Number two was their rapid aging. You know, they did that so they could get older quicker, but then they get older, older quicker. quicker. So yeah. that's the other problem. And they also, they've kind of used a, a reasoning as that, hey, it, if you, uh, you know, you create jobs with stormtroopers and they get citizens on board because with the Empire, because they or their family members yeah. work for the Empire. So how could they think they're bad when they're working for them or- they're their getting son. their paycheck from the empire. Right, exactly. Yeah. So those have been kind of the reasons, but we've never really seen the transition yeah. until now. And and really, you said it, it's like there's that line by Echo at the end where the, the Bad Batch basically, like you said, are kind of now somewhat responsible about this. And Echo says the fate of all the clones is now sealed because of us. Yeah, pretty and much. It, we were this trying does, to do something good. <laughs> and this does tie in with some of the other Disney plus Star Wars shows. Like, do you remember that scene in Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, on the streets of Dayu? There's like oh, yeah. an old clone, be- just like a panhandler mm-hmm. begging on the streets and he's just been abandoned. Yeah. And, and it was and, actually Tim Morrison who was playing him. So correct. And like that, they get into that in this, uh, these episodes, which is so fun is that Senator Chuchi, she has this big argument for taking care of the clones who have served them well. And she says, Hey, we can't just, go over to stormtroopers. What about all these clones that like worked for us and, and, you know, gave their lives for us and stuff. And so, and, and she wants to come up with a pension plan mm-hmm. and the clones aren't really interested. In it. They just want to fight. Cause that's yeah. what they've been born and, you know, genetically trained to do. But she's like, well, what happens when you're too old to fight? Like what, what's going to happen? And we saw that in Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it also is interesting, Lauren, where they get into the fact of, and I love this stuff. That's why we, uh, mentioned Claudia Gray. It's why we love that book Bloodline because they get into some of the more political stuff of it. The clones don't have representation in the Senate. Yeah, they don't. They're and completely they're without it. Only as military assets. And as someone that grew up in Washington, D.C., I'm yeah, very familiar with it. taxation yeah. without representation. Yeah, you don't have it at all. So. And, and there's obviously even much bigger and more important parallels with the civil rights movement and things like that. But they have no voice. Yeah. In the Senate at all. I thought that really interesting they got into that. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. The other part I thought about was uh, like the responsibility of uh, of a society to their soldiers and, you know, after their soldiers fought a war. And I, I felt that specifically because my dad's a Vietnam vet. He got drafted into Vietnam. And I remember a lot of the times in the in the 70s and the late 80s, he felt pretty much used and abused by the U.S. government, you know, in terms of what he was, you know, asked to do what he did and then basically how he was treated when he came home. So, uh, like, there, it was a, there were a lot of parallels here that I felt were sort of real world to, you know, uh, you know, debates that have gone on in American society. So I thought this was like I, I thought this was a very effective episode and especially just like, you know, when Senator Chuchi is like these you know, they fought for us. We, they did what they, what we asked them to do. And, you know, you know, they deserve something. And even like Rampart's like, well, full pensions and hiring an entire army, that's a lot of money. He like, you know, and he just has no interest in giving them pensions or any, anything like that. So I think it's really, really interesting exploring all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it takes you out of the action and the pew, 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 but I think it's what I agree. I thought these were the best episodes along with the solitary clone episode yeah. that you mentioned. Where these are easily the best, most interesting episodes of the season. I will say like the one thing it's still a little that they were laying the seeds for is that these clones are like you said, they're starting to rethink their drink a little bit in terms of why did we do that? And I feel yeah. bad about that. But aren't cl- like, I don't think there's really an argument that stormtroopers are 
less independent than clones, right? Clones, you can literally put in order 66 and inhibitor chips and like do this stuff where they might not like it, but they're going to do it. They're going to carry it out. But stormtroopers, I know in, you know, the last trilogy, there's, you know, deprogramming and things like that. that Yeah. And they were like conscripted, like they, they, they were kidnapping children and all that kind of stuff. And these are just like, basically like people who just sort of the, the Imperial stormtroopers are the people who join up, uh, join up and, you know, uh, in the army and you know i mean and as we know and as i love to make jokes about the imperial stormtroopers are much worse than the clone troopers in terms of a sheer fighting force so you know there is something about the uh, unity when you get you know somebody like a bunch of soldiers who are all made of the same stuff fighting so well it's really interesting like when Mm -hmm. remember like with the clone wars and the clones are the the good guys Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they're hitting everything yeah now in the bad batch when the bad batch are going against the clones the clones are missing yeah, all of every a sudden they're just like single you know. shot. <laughs> every single shot they're missing. I like guess I guess these were like the lesser bat. Like you know, maybe this was the de- degraded Django Fett DNA. <laughs> like it was the, <laughs> like the bad batch and everybody else. Like Rex got the pure DNA, and this is like this is just really degraded material by this point. So they're not quite as sharp with their training. It's, their- it, it's so mm-hmm. so funny, but it was really cool that Ian McDermott came back to do mm-hmm. this. Um, because you never know if he's going to be doing the voice or one of the yeah, other actors who does dur- it all. During the Clone Wars, like, you know, it, like for the a good chunk of the Clone Wars, it wasn't him. And uh, for a while, I think it was Tim Curry who did not do a great uh, Palpatine. And then I think it was like towards the end of the Clone Wars, Ian McDermott did it. Um, so it's like came on and did it. So I think he's like now he, he does it more regularly. But yeah, during the Clone, like the Clone Wars series, it was like a couple different people who did it before he kind of stepped in and, and started doing it. So without without spoiling what it is, do we get any more of this, Lauren, in the rest of the season of what you've seen? Because I'm going week by week. You you couldn't stop yourself, so you, you <laughs> watched just, everything they sent you the immediately. I've been pacing myself. So are we? Is is this going to be explored anymore, or yeah, is it more this, kind this, of to other things? The, uh, well, I think the next episode is the one that you accidentally watched a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We kind of go back to you know, kind of a thing of the week, but uh, it does pick up later on in the season, and Crosshair kind of comes into this. Uh, and we kind of start getting more into the cloning conspiracy that we saw last season with, you know, why they want Omega and even a little bit about, you know, why they want Grogu and the Mandalorian. And I asked uh, Jennifer Corbett and Brad Rauer about this and they kind of were like, you know, I'm like, is this all connected into, you know, I mean, we know that Palpatine clones himself badly or i don't even want to deal with a rise of skywalker but you know this all kind of seems like it's going in that direction uh so there there is a lot of stuff coming back with like you know the cloning technology might not be used for the clone troopers but it is being used for something uh and you know that's the question that that sort of the back half of the season kind of raises like what are they doing like what cloning why are they using this cloning technology well right i wonder now? if that's going to tie into season three of the mandalorian yeah i am uh, curious about where that we as see well. the doctor on coruscant as well and we mm-hmm. know that's sort of something that they're talking about as i watched this these episodes i thought they were so good that part of me was like ah oh, you know these this is really good i kind of almost wish we were seeing a live action version of this. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that they're really kind of hamstrung a little bit because, you know, the clones are at a certain age at this point, and that age is not Tamara Morrison's No, age. and then it would just be Tamara Morrison acting against, like, there would be Every a lot of, you know. one, which yeah. it's just like, it sort of creates a little bit of a, a, a an, an issue in terms of 
trying to tell clone stories live action at different time periods. Yeah. You know, you could do it quickly with some CGI and de-aging stuff, which obviously Star Wars has done a fair amount of now. But, you know, you can only do so much of it. You can't do a whole show. But, like, it would be interesting to see the whole, like, a, a live action show about the clones as they're phased out and what they do and yeah, that's you know, where a, do they go? I'm curious about with Ahsoka because in the time period that Ahsoka is supposed to take place in, Captain Rex should still be alive. And he was so close to Ahsoka. And as we saw, like Rex came back in Star Wars Rebels when he's much older. Uh, and so I'm kind of curious if Captain Rex would come into that at all, because we know he made it through to the Battle of Endor uh, you know, and he survived that. So I, I, I was curious if we will see some some kind of you know you know Rex representation in Ahsoka. Um, for It'd be that fascinating because yeah. I mean, obviously Tamora Morrison would have to play him. Yeah, yeah. But he would have to play him a lot differently than the way he plays Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just the mannerisms, the speech of it. You know, the the speech pattern, the way they talk, the way they move is so different from Boba Fett, which is very minimalist. Yeah, like Rex is very like, you know, he's more uh, much more expressive and in that kind of stuff. But I mean, I would love to see, you know, I like Tim Morrison. I didn't really like the book of Boba Fett that much. But, you know, I I mean, and obviously I have made it known how much I love Captain Rex. So I would love to see Captain Rex in live action. So but, you know, I know I know it is slightly complicated that, you know, it's it's one man having to play a lot of different characters. So I'm curious about that, though. Uh, anything else you want to say about these uh, episodes before we go to your your interview with the producers? Um, I thought they were great. Um I wish we got more of this, honestly. Yeah, um, I, I do like this when they're hitting this stuff more than like, you know, the, the episode where like tech was doing the the racing and that kind of like that's that's fun. And but but it's just like it feels kind of a little inessential. So I do like it when they're really kind of dealing with these kind of naughty, naughty, uh, uh, you know, these naughty issues and things like that. And I, I think that's when the Bad Batch really soars. So I kind of wish they would kind of stick to to this kind of stuff more often i do want to say that kevin kiner's music in this in these two uh episodes and his music just in general uh you know throughout the homewars but in the bad batch i i thought it was really good and it really just added to that sort of sense of you know that that sort of foreboding sense uh within the whole thing so i really enjoyed that so did you have anything else that you wanted to mention about it no i'll just echo what you said i mean i just yeah i wish they would do more of it i wish they could sort of have more sort of consistent uh season-long themes kind of like what they did on rebels where you know it is moving the whole star wars story forward not just the bad batch story but you can do something where uh achieving a mission within the bigger story that's Mm going to move both points um, and they did it here and I, I, I hope they do do more of it. Um, I like the show. I yeah. really do like the show. And, um, I think there's opportunity here to make it sort of a fit into the larger network, just a little bit, a little bit more than they've and, been doing. Yeah. And that is the other thing is like, uh, I know people were went crazy for Andor, but I do feel like these kind these kind of episodes, when they get into these, uh, issues, they really do sort of pick up the, the same stuff that Andor was doing. So um, you know, I would just say if like if you haven't really given uh, the Bad Batch a shot, um, try it out. You might like it. Especially with, you know, like I said, Dave Filoni, who's the yeah. sort of Star Wars version of Kevin Feige now, and he has his hands on all these shows. So mm-hmm. the way that you can see them dropping breadcrumbs like that Clone Trooper and Obi-Wan Kenobi, which really fits in with what we just saw here mm-hmm. really, really well. And, and you know, more of that happening. So if you really are wanting a 360 ver- view of this, this um world you do need to start watching uh, this show or at least these key episodes yeah um 
Awesome. All right. Uh, well, we've talked a lot of Bad Batch, but now let's uh, chat with the folks who make the Bad Batch. Lauren hung out with executive producers Jennifer Corbett and Brad Rao to talk all things season two, and we'll play you that conversation right after this quick break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, Brad. Hi, Jennifer. How you doing? Good. How are you? How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. How, what can you tell me uh, about where we find the Bad Batch in season two? We see them a, li- a little later than the end of season one. We have some time that has passed. Uh, we wanted to show that they're a little bit more beat up. Mm-hmm. They're not living maybe their most exclusive life, their best life. They're they're working gig to gig. Interestingly, at the end of season two, it they have this unique situation where it, the Empire doesn't know that they're still alive. Mm-hmm. So if they stay off the radar, they can continue to eke out a living. But the question comes up pretty quickly from different team members. Um, is this the right thing to do? What should we do? Can we help other people? And we, you know, I don't want to go into too many spoilers, but we explore all of those themes as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting with uh, what we see with Echo, uh, especially because like, Echo, you know, in, in those mm-hmm. first couple of episodes, is like, shouldn't we be doing more? Can't we be doing more? And I think that's an interesting right. thing because you do see this with, you know, over the course of the season with almost, you know, the, a lot of the clones that we encounter who, you know, this, this sort of horrible thing happened to them with Order 66. And, you know, some of them managed to escape, you know, doing something awful, but a lot of them are haunted by it. So it's kind of interesting to see how they all respond to it here. Uh, and, and, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about how Echo is feeling right now? Yeah, we in in season one, we tried to sort of uh, delicately layer in there this the um the idea of echo wanting the batch to sort of do more and mm-hmm. and feeling a little confused as to where they are and and their purpose now that they're not soldiers so that felt like the more that we progressed in season two we really wanted to to explore that more because his feelings have not changed while you know they're they're laying low now and and things are okay for them. Echo is very much aware of what's what's going on, and I think he feels the pull to to sort of um, to to do to do more and and help out his brothers because he feels connected to to the regs. And I think with Hunter in particular, they just have a different kind of ideology in terms of like what's best for this squad. Mm-hmm. And you know, and in terms of the clone story, this show is very much about, you know, the end of the war, but not the end of the clones. And so, you know, that thematically is, is throughout season two is sort of our team becoming more aware of what the empire's intentions are and how their view of the regs continues to, um, to shift and change the more that they come into contact with, with more and uh, what they're learning. Yeah, absolutely. And and how did you guys sort of decide who you were going to kind of bring back and bring into the season that we sort of quite haven't seen before? Yeah, we I mean, we love it when we can do that. And Dave Filoni has a big say in that. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot of these are direct suggestions from Dave. And so we're so excited when 
you know, when it fits the timeline, how, how we can explore everything we've been when talking about, especially with Cody, how does he feel about everything that happened? But to see Crosshair with Cody is wild. It sort of echoes um, uh, the Clone Wars, but roles have been reversed. We get to see battle droids and, you know, I don't want to go into too many details, um, but it's, uh, it's just really interesting to see how Crosshair reacts to this other clone that he respects and that he trusts. And when we see Cody, even the way he's designed, very similar markings, but they're all minus color. So he has that like light gray markings to him. Um, where he's at in his journey is uh, is fascinating. We had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, I really enjoyed that too. And especially because I always sort of think about like, you know, Rex, which I'll talk to because uh, we, we come back to seeing Rex again. But it's always like Rex mm-hmm. was able to avoid Order 66. Like he resisted his chip enough so Ahsoka could get it out. And uh, so he doesn't have that sort of overall guilt about, you know, uh, having killed the Jedi. But Cody, you know, it's it, you look at it and you're like, this is such a horrible thing that was done to them. And now they're all I thought it was really interesting how they were all of them were sort of dealing with the regret of it. Um, but specifically, like, like should just jump into Rex. Like, where do we see Rex now? And like, it, it's so kind of gratifying to see that Rex has just kind of jumped right into the fight. Like, you know, he hasn't he hasn't backed off at all. He's just kind of like still fighting for the Republic in one way or another. That just seems to be inherently who Rex is, is mm-hmm. that he's he's not he fought so hard for the Republic and he's not willing to to let it go because he's he he knows what happened. And, and you know, like you said, he he, you know, barely um, had enough time to warn Ahsoka before, you know, th- things went south. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think he's driven by the fact that these are his brothers and and he wants to help them and he wants to do something. But like, how how do you go up against a massive force that is the Empire and and having him be part of this legion of troopers in the Republic where he had this brotherhood to then it's it's the opposite to where his brothers are now against him, but not always by by choice. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, and again, that's just who Rex is. And I think that's something Echo relates to because Echo like Rex is a reg and has more of a, an attachment to, to um, the clones and, and just feels that, you know, feels in his heart, he needs to do something. Mm-hmm. Rex Absolutely. is the coolest. <laughs> I, love I have a little, if, if <laughs> so I wouldn't good. knock over everything, I have a little clone, uh, a little <laughs> Rex uh, statue above my desk, but I would not, so good. I would knock everything over if I, if I showed it <laughs> to you right now. But, uh, I just me- wanted to add one mm-hmm. thing to that, that um, also the way that he influences Omega is, is really key. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked that as well. And I've re- going to Omega. I love to see that, you know, she was like, cause it felt like last season, everyone like, you know, Hunter be like, stay on the ship. And she wouldn't stay on the ship. But it, I, I liked uh-huh. the fact that they were like training Omega and being like, okay, she's part of the team and we're not just gonna, you know, she's, she's capable. And, you know, there are some times when they're like, stay out here. But, you know, I, I did like to see that incorporation of Omega fuller, like more fully into the team. I think that's also, a very they- parental, uh, like a uh, opinion is that, mm-hmm. You know, you want to protect your child, but, you know, you have to eventually let them grow and make their own choices and and make their own mistakes. And, you know, Hunter is Hunter's still new to this. And 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 so is the rest of the batch. So I think sometimes they're anxious about about putting her in danger, but also they're soldiers. So they're training her to the best of their ability and hoping that, you know, she'll take that that guidance and and be able to, you know, defend herself and and um 
stand with them. And the other thing about Omega that I was thinking about, and I, I was curious about if, if this was something, a discussion that you came into, is like, since Omega is basically, she's essentially kind of like Boba Fett's twin. Have do you thought about bringing like Boba Fett into this timeline? Have have there were there discussions? Like, I know when there was the book of Boba Fett, and I was like, are they going to mention Omega? Like, you know, does it even know about Omega? Like, so huh? have there been discussions about this at all? Well, when you talk about your Rex figure, I've got a Boba Fett right over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we would love Boba Fett. But, you know, really, Boba Fett is in a very different place than, mm-hmm. than Omega. And as Omega is moving forward on her journey and Boba Fett's on on his journey. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say, you know, you, you never know how things are going to go. But that's not really the focus of our story. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious about it because I always just wonder about, like, when, when, when uh, Omega was revealed, I was like, does he even know about this? Like, I just thought that would be fascinating. But... Um, <laughs> One thing I do have a question about, and um, we might uh, save this for later on in our podcast, so we're not spoiling people, but I, you know, I, I saw, see the, the cloning project that's going on with Dr. Hemlock. Um, well, yeah. And uh, we might, uh, yeah, I know this is getting to spoiler, ter- spoiler territory, but there's a lot of exper- medical experimentation going on here. And can you talk about where this is heading? Because I know that on The Mandalorian, there's medical experimentation going on with. Grogu and Force users, and I know that later on we see that Palpatine's trying to do clo- like he hasn't cloned himself very well. But you know, is is this tying in together? Is this sort of something that like you know we can expect, or is this or is this something you can't really talk about yet? I'm not sure we can you know go into yeah. too much detail, but mm-hmm. you know, I feel like the Empire has a lot of secret programs going on that not mm-hmm. everybody even within the empire is aware of. So it makes sense that like a, a civilian or, or our, our team has no idea of the things going on at various bases. Um, like we saw in season one, when they went to Darrow and saw like the, the, you know, beginning mm-hmm. of the um, stormtroopers or, you know, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, but what is going on? Um, we do, explore a little bit in terms of how it how it relates to our story and um you know but we 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 can't get into too much spoiler (laughs) (laughs) uh, don't 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 worry we're going somewhere with it yeah we're going we're going somewhere there's a method to our men (laughs) okay the one other question i had is i there's a lot of uh great guest voices in this season you know obviously rio perlman's back uh as a sid and i you know and i watched cheers all the time when i was a kid so when she popped up in season one i was like carla tortelli in the star wars universe is blowing my mind um but you know it's like you have wanda sykes you have hector alizano you have jimmy simpson are all these people big star wars fans or were you just hiring them in terms of the you know i mean hector alizano has such a wonderful voice but like i'm just curious like who who is a big star wars fan amongst these guest actors you know this might sound weird, but we don't talk about Star Wars that much. <laughs> We're talking about the, char- the Character. characters. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, that's where, you know, everybody shines. And everybody loves Star Wars. I mean, come on, mm-hmm. everybody's a, a fan. <laughs> but, um, you know, like like Wanda Sykes, she it was so great to work with her as Fee Genoa and to see that type of swashbuckling character uh, versus the Bad Batch and how Omega views her, how she influences Omega. So, so great. And Hector Elizondo, he's awesome. And he would always end every session with, it's a business doing pleasure with you. (laughs) (laughs) He was so great. He was was a a joy to to, at least watch you direct him. He was just lovely. 
<laughs> that's so wonderful. Fun. That's wonderful. And the uh, the one last, this is more of a comment, but you guys did give me something I never knew I wanted to see uh, in the Bad Batch, but that was Wrecker fighting alongside a Wookiee. And uh, so I just wanted <laughs> to thank you for that because I was watching that and I'm like, this is fantastic. I love watching these two, like these people interacting together. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's so good. And if you listen carefully, because the way these work, when we, we previs the episode after the amazing scripts are written from Jen and team and Jen and I working together every frame, every step of the way, uh, when we get to the point where we record the actors, we've developed the story pretty far along. So we were telling D, okay, okay, Wrecker is with this guy. And he's like, what if Wrecker starts giving these weird like wookie howls like <laughs> gee yes what if let's do it so if you listen carefully you can hear record doing like little wookie grunts and stuff it's so fun and yeah that, I love that. that that episode in particular we were <laughs> we were inspired by the by the um unfinished kashik arc that 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 the bad batch was on in the clone war so it's not it's not the exact same but you know we wanted to sort right. of you know, do do justice to to that and sort of involve that in uh, in our season. Yeah, that you know, I just I always love you know, I who doesn't love a Wookiee, but you know, <laughs> but I, I mean, it was kind of great to see see them in that environment because it, it had been a while since we had you know seen Kashyyyk. Thank you so much, and you know, I really enjoyed this season, and I can't wait to see the final two episodes, which I know I haven't Ooh. seen yet. So just One wait. Our thanks to Jennifer Corbett and Brad Rao for joining us this week. And while we're doling out thanks, thanks to you for joining us as well. We would also be super thankful if you would please follow and rate the podcast and tell all your friends about it. And if you want to do something super duper cool, you could take just 30 seconds to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do so, we'll give you a shout out right here on the pod. How about that? You can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan, and at Morg Lore. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>